Hello and welcome to the Ravencoin SITREP, your situation report on all things Ravencoin. My name is Michael. After a long break due to having had COVID myself and then working some insane hours in two intensive care units full of COVID patients, I have finally resumed recording. Welcome back. Today, I don't have an extensive list of updates in this intro. I'll leave that to my guest. I try to have a wide variety of guests, from key players and OGs, to new and up-and-coming figures in the Ravencoin community. Today, I have Ravencoin Twitter personality Quothing Raven, who has been very active in recent months with new initiatives in marketing Ravencoin. Quothing has a marketing background and has decided to turn his talent to assisting the spread and development of various Ravencoin use cases, including hosting regular Twitter Spaces sessions in order to give as many people as possible access to what's happening and to contribute themselves. Ravencoin doesn't have a management team. There is no corporation and no multi-million dollar ad spend, unlike most other recent altcoin projects. We don't pay podcasters to shield Ravencoin. There is no we to make such a payment. It's all up to us individuals to spread the word. As of today, December 5th, 2021, Ravencoin mining difficulty is 87.15 thousand. Network hash rate is 5.91 terahash per second. Let's get this thing started. And we're live. Hi, Quothing Raven. Welcome to Raven Quincitrep. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I'm so sorry, everybody, for the long delay because I've, I got COVID myself and I had to help in the intensive care units in Sydney in uh, a couple of the hospitals. So it's been a long break. And so I've been scouring Twitter, keeping ahead of what's go- abreast of what's going on and, and found a, a relatively new personality, Quothing Raven, who we will call Quothing for today. And um, a guy that's really up to date and has some new use cases besides NFT art, which gets a lot of airplay. So I'm really excited for you, basically what is almost a relaunch after almost three months. And uh, so I'm really excited to get to get up to date with some of the developments in since the last Ravencoin meetup in the Caribbean cruise. I think it was Caribbean anyway, close to it. And, uh, and some of the other updates. So, um, all right, where shall we start? What's new? Man, it's been... These past four months, I would say, have been just, it's been nonstop, one thing after the other. So I think we should rewind back a little bit to... Uh, Your background. If we, <laughs> Yeah, you know, if we were to rewind back a little bit about myself, you know. So I, I, I'm, in, I'm in marketing, um, that's the pseudonym um, and whatnot. Um, and... You know, I think that what really kind of jolted it for me, um, I'd say I, I started this whole like Twitter persona or pseudonym, if you want to call it, um, based off of a Reddit comment <laughs> of yeah. all things. Um, somebody had really, really irked me and was really kind of just like trying to put everything onto the foundation of like, why isn't there marketing and what is this about? And why isn't there this and that? And I was like, I thought to myself, you know what? Why don't why like I mean I, this is what I do. Why don't I take this on for Ravencoin as somebody who kind of sat in the background 
as of, I don't know, let's call it two and a half years. Um, you know, and I started mining Raven coin, uh, just simply because of the ease of it, getting into mining and seeing Ethereum. I tried mining Ethereum and just the payout, the fees and everything else. I just was like, man, this is not going to work for me. And yeah. doing some deeper research, I found Ravencoin. How did you find um, it? You know, by happenstance, purely happenstance on Twitter. <laughs> and I, it's as funny as that sounds. And I think it's worth also, because a lot of new, new listeners on the podcast, and so it's worthwhile letting know why the name and what it is. It comes from the Game of Thrones meme that ravens send messages of truth. And so while Bitcoin sends messages of value, Ravencoin sends messages of ownership. And hence Raven Coin, and eventually some people just call it Raven as a prefix for a whole lot of other things. So that's unreal. I mean, I I, I mined Ethereum for a while. I ended up selling it all for Raven, and I've I've got some ERC twenty tokens. I bought Crypto Twenty. They're an index fund. Got them before Raven Coin launched. I haven't been able to move them. It's going to cost me two hundred bucks just to just to sell them. You know, I've got them. Matic actually tied up right now. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder how many other small players, small players are caught up like that. So that's you've hit on something really important that a lot of people don't seem to appreciate is is how decentralization really works. So you get these people on Twitter, why don't you market? Why don't you do? Who's going to spend this money for this big ad spend? Well, this is this is this bit like a govern me harder daddy cry from people that they really <laughs> yeah. want centralization. They want to have a boss to do everything for them, and. We get people like you who have said, well, it's up to us. So if it is to be, it's up to me. So so then you started thinking about ways to to market Ravencoin and Ravencoin projects. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, yeah, I, I stumbled on the Ravencoin thanks to Leon. Anyone who's been on Twitter uh, has, has interacted probably with Leon at some point or another. So that's Leon and underscore Texas on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that guy. I mean, he has really impacted me in a in a very interesting way between him and uh, actually, I want to I want to take the time to shout out who really got me involved, kind of more on the NFT side, would be Ravencoin Assets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Between them and him giving out a free NFT, I was like, oh, well, look at that! Like, that's really neat. Like, I mean, I'm mining this, but I I didn't really know what was at all possible through that, you know. And that really kind of dove me into the the community in the sense. Yeah. And uh, as as somebody who's a value investor, I really kind of picked that and was just like, "Wow, like this is insanely underrated." And we should we should probably take the time to to really give why, right? And like with what Ravencoin was and the mining Ethereum and all these problems that kind of were problematic to me at core, just the ethos of it in general what defines Ravencoin, right? What makes it so special? And I get asked this by my boss. I get asked this by, by random people. Like, well, why, why would you choose something like that? Like, why Ravencoin? So what makes and, Ravencoin so special? You know, so the basis of things that you'll find even on the website, that the ethos of it holds so true all the way across the board, right? It, it's ASIC resistant, so you can't, you can't buy up these PCs and hog up a bunch of the mining power and start up a whole warehouse of these things. Um, it was fairly launched. There was no opportunity to, to purchase it beforehand. Um, I mean, they, it, Bruce literally released the binaries on Twitter for people to start mining it. Yeah, um, and it's like on so pa page, page 15 of the alt section of the Bitcoin Talk page when you could download it. It's <laughs> like It reminds me of the... Um, 
the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, when the uh, the notice to destroy the Earth for a superhighway had been fairly launched and placed on Alpha Centauri for 50 Earth years, it was there. It wasn't hidden, as if we didn't have any spaceships to get to it. So if you're looking around, lurking, you would have seen the announcement on Twitter, which was very public, and then you could have gone there. So there was... Uh, people say, well, why wasn't it publicized? Well, with whose money and why? And why would it be centralized? It was launched like every other altcoin on the altcoin section of the Bitcoin Talk Forum, which was the main the main go-to for a lot of people in 2017. Well, that's a beautiful thing, you know, and it, that, you know, it hits at my heart with that. Um, there's, there's no pre-mine, there was no ICO, no coins were held for developers or founders or any of that, um, including even the bigger parties that were responsible in the creation of Ravencoin. Um, it's it's purely community driven. There is no dollars. As somebody who is probably the loudest person on Twitter about Ravencoin, I have received zero dollars Ravencoin, whatever kind of currency of any kind. Uh, I, I took it upon myself with a few others, and we were like, "No, we're going to really start pumping this thing. This is going to really start getting out there for people. People got to get this in their hands." And so what did you do then? Have you made some uh, admin assets or how have, you, how have you organized yourself? Yeah, you know, so it started off and, and I, I, I actually bought a NFT from BlockDog. That's really where this kind of all kicked off. And when I, when I purchased that NFT from him, it included the main asset, which I thought was really neat. All right. Um, yeah, I was, I was at first, I thought it was a mistake. I messaged him and I was like, Hey dude. So, uh, I don't know if you know, but you, you gave me a main asset. He goes, no dude. Yeah. That was, that was a part of the promotion. I was like, Oh, cool. That's pretty generous. <laughs> and well, yeah. And I, I, I kind of had a good little heart to heart with block dog. You know, if I were to be honest, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be having this talk with you today if it weren't for him. I truly wouldn't. Um, and he was actually the guest that I was that I was going to bring on with me. Um, he gave me that main asset, and and I started ch- I started just chatting with him, DMing him on Twitter, like, "Hey, dude, so what's up with you? Like, why why are you so so passionate about this? Like, what 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 is this for you? Like, how do you hold this to your heart?" And I just I felt I, I just I felt so uh, what do they call it? Sim- simpatico. Um, like yeah. it was me, like I felt it. It was like, yes, like you, you and me, let's do some stuff. So he started a group chat on Twitter. That That's really where this whole push on Twitter all started was a group chat Yeah, with me, him, Ravencoin assets and uh, a couple others, right? We called it drop shot. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was, it was literally about, okay, if you guys see anything Ravencoin related, Anything that's going to be of any kind of value that could provide anything for the community, let's throw it inside of this chat. And I think and, yeah, it's great that there are these yeah. new new players coming in all the time, and it's not just the OGs from the Discord from this yeah from the Discord group. Uh, yeah, that's really kind of grown out. Um, and and anybody who's really paid any attention or been a part of that whole Discord uh, thing with Ravencoin, you've come to find that there's like there's like ten different Discords. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's, there's that's, so many different ways. And that's, that's how societies work. I mean, I follow two of them, Ravencoin, the main one, and the Ravencoin Lounge. And that was a very early split with just one person who wanted to run things a bit differently, have a different slant, perhaps a different uh, age group, different you know, social set. And that's totally cool because there isn't one narrative. There isn't one management team. There isn't any management team. 
And so I think it's really glorious to see these people sort of uh, diversifying in different different aspects of what Ravencoin is about. Some people are really focusing very quietly in the background on uh, security securities tokens issues, which they have to be very quiet about because we'll go into that a little bit later. And others are very sure. out, out front with the digital art. And, you know, to be, to be honest with me, I'm, I'm 48 now. The, the digital art thing, I know exactly how it works with having a you know, unique token that's showing ownership. There's only a few that really catch my eye, but I'm just astounded how how many and how and how, how they just really exploded and that's it that's, yeah how long how yeah. long have you been following like the 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 art the marketplaces and, and stuff how long have you been been paying well, up attention on that uh see it's two waves soups because i heard about ravencoin on the uh, 18th of january 2018 when m target who you'll see on twitter every now and again he mentioned it on the library discord and then I mined a, mined a, uh, a block with my CPU, and then uh, we gradually got the hybrid mining going with CPU with a, with a CPU fallback for a GPU, and then we got some GPU binaries, and then we got some AMD binaries. Mined a bucket of it, mined some Ether, and then sold the Ether and bought more Bitcoin, more, more Ravencoin. Then uh, after the 2018 um, you know, bear market started at the end of 20, or middle of 2018, then um, I shot with 25th of... 18th of December, 2018. That's when it all happened, where it all crashed. I maintained, rough. I taint, maintained, well, I, I learned a bit from last time because during that bull run, I'd been paper trading and thinking myself very clever and basically just losing all this money <laughs> and fr frictional expenses from trading. Like thinking, oh, well, I'll just park it in this, this crypto overnight because it's safer and then move it to something else to trade the next day, not realizing there was a tax event every time I did that. So I, I made a bunch of money and paid a bunch of, bunch of tax and then so this time um i'm not even going to i just kept quiet and i wasn't really doing much so i wasn't paying a great deal of attention to what was going on only two events really caught my eye which is the 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 time that assets the asset layer launched and then the the hard fork to prevent asics from destroying it and i maintained just made sure that all my everything my crypt my keys were backed up and my wallets were up to date and didn't really, really do much until i this this bull run and decided well much like you, there isn't any team that's going to do this. I can't code. I tried to learn how to code. It's just I've got too much opportunity cost in spending the time to do that. There's a lot of th other things I can't do, but I think we can all find a way to contribute. And so I decided to set this podcast up to just basically give other people, people an offline way to keep up to date with some different people and different aspects of, of Ravencoin and, and how it works and things they can do. So the art side of it, Really, um, middle of last year, uh, and then I really. So you're aware of the? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was aware of how they that, how they were happening, but the main launchpad really was Khalid Saleh and the Stibitz Wallet guy, and their website on the um, blockchain Tigers uh, Ravenland, no Brave World, Braveland, Braveland. Yeah. The campus, and so they were talking about. I think the auction of the first Mona Lisa with the the the, uh, the Ravencoin mask on that was that happened off the out of the blue, and so yeah. they just decided I want to buy it. Well, I want to buy it too. Or well, how much are you going to offer? And then before you know it, Khaled's auctioning this thing off, and then they got this guy in from Tennessee who was just amazing. I mean, <laughs> Troy. I, yeah, Troy. I love him. So, so the 
I knew that these these live auctions were a great way of getting enthusiasm. They were not really sustainable for, for at scale, and particularly because I live on the other side of the world, so time zones are always a problem. But uh, there's no denying the the uh, enthusiasm they generated. And then there was one couple of other rival live auctions. That one was held down at the volleyball court, I think, in Braveland, or down the concert hall, and. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's when I really sort of got a hold of it. And then, then of course, um, IP assets started, you know, merged with Mango Farm. And then it's it's really just gone crazy. And what I really like about What a it dream is, team. I know. What and, a dream team they were. And for those who don't know, Mango Farm's one of the, uh, an OG, Doug Peppy and another guy, Adam. Uh, Doug's got this online facility where you can you can use a wallet to maintain your Ravencoin in order to create assets. It's not designed to be just your wallet to secure things, although you can, but it's not for that purpose. But you can, it just makes makes it a lot easier than on using the, the core wallet on your desktop to create an asset. And when we say for the listeners what an asset is, most people think an asset is some sort of income generating you know, instrument. It, it's a token. And so it, it's a, a digital token with its own uh, unspent and transaction output set, so UTXO set. And what that means is that unlike uh, liquid on Bitcoin or the uh, Ethereum tokens, it's not a separate layer on top of Ravencoin. It's it's native to the Ravencoin project. So if you send an asset to um, you know a Ravencoin wallet that will recognize the assets, then you don't need to have any other, um, other facilities built on top of that. And so it's baked into the chain. And, that, and that's very important rather than having a separate side chain that requires other resources and computing. So he made this facility Mango Farm. And I still haven't got around to asking why he called it Mango. And <laughs> um, and he's a busy corporate lawyer, but he, he put the time aside to do this. And he and then he merged with Adam and IP Assets, which is really a way to, to sell white label assets so that you can come in as a company and want to create some tokens to sell wine or some other some other um, uh, limited product where you've got to have uh, serial numbers or those sorts of things. And they can create a website for you with this system running in the background, but your label over the top of everything else, which is really powerful. So some people eventually within the next few years will be using Ravencoin without even knowing it, that the customers, you know, the customers won't know. That's exactly it. And there's so much to unpack and just that, that little bit that we just that we just went over, so much to unpack. I think we should kind of rewind it back a little bit for those stibbits um, and the auctions being done at Braveland. Yeah, it was, yeah, dude, it was great. I, I mean, that was really a, I think, a moment to give uh, people in the community something to understand of what the application of this could be. And people that I've talked to that are like literally like OGs, people that were there very early on right like there was almost this sense of dependence that they thought for ravencoin that security tokens were going to be the only way but then that that happened and it was like a like a a brain blast if you will right like it was like wait a second this could be so much more and so they ran with that and if you know if do you know uh justin FTs? uh yes yeah so my god we're talking about the explosive growth and, and how these digital art places have taken off. And boy, did he really, he facilitated something. I don't think he even had any idea what was going to, what was going to follow with him just opening up this marketplace. It went from, this is at the beginning of the year. 
we went from maybe five pages, six pages, maybe at most of assets. And a lot of them were just, you know, I mean, some of the same people and shout out Sim uh, for being involved super early on and, and being able to help launch assets and everything. If you go on just NFTs now, boy, you can get lost in the sauce. There is over 200 pages. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And uh, yeah, you know, there's an online wallet where you can upload some of your Ravencoin. So, I mean, I haven't looked at it for a while. So you can upload your Ravencoin and then shop with it and maintain an account. That's brilliant. It's I remember really, listening to Ryan, he had to, had to paginate the website because it was getting so large. <laughs> yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. I mean, there's so He's many. He's actually made a couple partnerships now as a result of that. Um, if you're aware of the, the Ravenist, that's in yes. the newest marketplace and he's actually i don't want to blow his story but he's partnered with them and it is a fantastic i mean you want to talk about an open sea competitor that's it well i mean open the ravenous looks open, fantastic open sea's unusable unless you're a big player mm-hmm. unless you've unless you've mined or purchased purchased your ethereum when it was you know cents or a couple of dollars each and you've got it to throw away in in uh, gas fees like I don't know, I don't know. I honestly don't know how you say could, you're priced out. How you could use? Yeah, I know you're completely priced out. How you could use OpenSea? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the IP fifteen fifty nine, but at the moment, um, it's it's almost as, it's probably worse than CryptoKitties because now there's so much more to lose with being locked out. It's terrible, it really is, and I mean, I think that that's a long. That's a really long game for Ravencoin, and, and what this is going to ultimately mean as the as the future goes on, because something we learned with you know just the inundation with uh, the foundation with Ethereum, they proposed uh, a cap on the fees, and they they turned it down. Yeah, I mean, with the foundation. Yeah, and so what's interesting is that people and I briefly raise you know i, I did uh, allow on i have on the podcast vince a doubter vincent about the Ravencoin burn rates and you know doug's answered that quite doug peppy's answered that quite well is that the price of the Ravencoin token rises significantly you know say if it were in some fan you know ten dollars then who's going to spend fifty thousand dollars on it on a main asset well you could spend a hundred thousand dollars having an ethereum token made and then you know, and then getting right. security ordered and, and audited, and having somebody write a smart contract for that, you can spend a, a lot of money. And then you've still you've still got people having to pay enormous fees. Even if even if Ravencoin tokens worth a, a ten dollars, the the fees are still going to be pennies to send things around. So it, it um, and then I I foresee secondary asset markets, and that's what we're seeing now with Synth and others uh, and um, RV NFT. He will make your unique token for you. Uh, but he can maintain the main asset. So I've got a few main assets um, just just in, you know, because when they were cheap, I could, I could drop 500 Raven on them. I don't think that's a problem. Uh, I think that, as Doug said, if if the price in Bitcoin, I don't really care about the price in dollars, but if the price in Bitcoin of a Raven coin uh, rises, that's a reflection of the value that people attribute to it. It's, a, it's, a, it's absolutely a, true. It's a feature, not a bug. So and that's absolutely then, true. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't bother me in the slightest. So this newsletter. So you've started a newsletter. Can you tell us about that and how that works and why it's good for Ravencoin? Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's still really young. It's so I called it Raven News, and 
I guess I saw a hole, you know, as somebody who kind of likes to assess a lot of different things uh, in different types of markets, I saw this gigantic gaping hole of where, I mean, I love the digital art and I think it's fantastic. I'm, I mean, dude, I'm a collector of this stuff. I truly, I truly love it, but let's be honest, right? Like what, what is the purpose in Ravencoin? Like you said, and being able to say what's true in a message and being able to pass that on to others. And I, I thought, why don't, why isn't this applied in so many different facets? The first thing that came to mind to me is somebody who appreciates newsletters. I subscribe to a few different ones. I was like, you know what? Through IPFS, I think uh, for anybody who doesn't know, IPFS is interplanetary file uh, system. It's a quite a posh uh, word there. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I thought, you know what? I could pin a PDF to IPFS. I can create a password, like an HTML container, um, where you'd have to enter in the password correctly. And then, boom, you have access into my newsletter, right into people's wallets. And I, I reached out to a couple of different people that I know that are uh, capable of doing something like that and having the ability to, to help with the whole HTML container. Because like yourself, I, I don't have time in my day to to really become versed in a lot of coding. I know, I know a basis amount, like I, I'm able to, to kind of get the gist of things, but I am not by any means a professional uh, programmer, developer, coder, any of that. But I, I was like, man, you know what? I can really get this into something. And I, I started off really small with it. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the first issue and I'm going to call it zero edition it's going to be free and I'm going to send it out to anybody and everybody who wants it. And I was actually a little surprised. Like it was like 120 people that reached out between Reddit uh, and Twitter that really were like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing this. And uh, it really kind of just like, it, it really hit the heart for some people of like, that's, that's a, that is a use case. Nobody has really thought of. Well, I think, and you go. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think that your, news, um, your newsletter, it, it doesn't have to be Ravencoin news, which could, some people could say, oh, that's a fairly recursive thing because it's news about ourselves. How about Venezuelan free market capitalists news? How about exactly. Nigerian you know, marketing news? How about any other oppressive you know, state resistance organization? Because the IPFS network, what some people don't realize is it's, it's, it doesn't have any geographic limitation to the document so whereas with the uh, hypertext transfer protocol you're looking or, or file transfer protocol you're looking for the geographical location of a computer to serve up that document ipfs tags the document by a hash which is just a code that points to a document which is hosted on a number of computers all around the place so in turkey they banned wikipedia because people were writing nasty things about about the government so somebody took all of Wikipedia and, and have loaded it to IPFS in Turkish. So everybody can get the Turkish Wikipedia through a different system of the internet, through the IPFS network. So if someone can have a Ravencoin wallet, which is, again, another form of internet, another asset, you know, without using the, the World Wide Web, and IPFS, two separate things that, that firewalls can't block, then you can spread newsletters for... What's new in West Papuan resistance today? <laughs> you know, so very. My man, you know, you, you you nailed it. The political implications for for individual freedom are astounding, and and what you have shown 
it, by producing this Raven News thing is how easy it can be for groups to communicate. I mean, of course, that can be good or bad. You could get, you know, um, ISIS News Daily, beheadings monthly or something. Sure. But And we can, um, you know, at least if, if people can get access to that, they can also follow that but and then track them down. But it's... It's a, it's, it's a neutral protocol that people can use for good or not so good. But the point is, it's for people to decide how they are going to use it, not for governments to decide what you can use. I'm so grateful that you can, you can extract that out of the message of what Raven News was really the intention is. I am not anybody special. You know, I've got a, di- I got a different type of opinion and I've got a very strong uh, opinion, no doubt. But the whole point is, is let's show people that are much more, uh, much more able than me that have a much stronger message than me. I've talked to people that live in South Africa. I've talked to people that live in Korea. I've, I, you know, all, uh, where was the one that I was talking to last night? I believe it was Indonesia. I mean, places where exactly that, like you can't talk about the government over there without the fear of some sort of repercussion. And that's where it really hits home for me is that this is the, that's a key. That's exactly it. And I want to inspire people that want to pass their message and show them how easy that that is to do. And I believe Apple's even given people in Thailand notifications that they're, that they're being tracked on their phones because the king, the king of Thailand has been amassing an enormous amount of, of power, unlike his benevolent father. And and that's becoming, becoming quite worrisome over there. And they've got Lej, uh what do you call it, leisure majesté, majesté laws. Basically, it's illegal to criticise the sovereign. And they're in quite a precarious position. It's like with some of the other decentralised systems. I think Mines has quite a lot of people from Vietnam for the same reason, although Mines is going to be hindered by Ethereum. Okay, so that's we've done the art. I thought I wanted to talk about um, uh, finance. So... We mentioned earlier on, and we wound back a bit, so we'll probably come here now because we're about the uh, 25, 30-minute, 28-minute mark. Is Ravencoin a security? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Unequivocally, no. And why Unequivocally, would... no. What would, make, what would make something a security here in the crypto so space? If, you know, if they were to pre-sell, um, like an ICO, as they will, an, an initial coin offering, providing it to like a, a certain group of people or to those who were, who were lucky enough to be there and invest in something early, such as uh, Ethereum. And there's a few others that, that fit that bill, like, uh, like Solana and uh, boy, the list really goes on. I think it's, um, it's anything that you can derive an expectation of profit from the initial investment of funds, whether it's stated explicitly or, Im- or implicitly. I would have thought. Right. And, I would say that unequivocally that that's never been the case with Ravencoin, right? The whole idea for at least anybody who's been involved anytime recently has been, this is, this isn't about money. This is far, this is far greater than, than money. This is the messages of truth. And the only way to get it when it first launched was to mine it yourself or ask someone to give it to you. Or there were some OTC trades over Telegram at one stage to begin with. Uh, and then that developed, you know, that was a bit of the Wild West and then and more structured centralized markets developed. But no, that was it. There was no, there was no investment. There was no, as you said, there was no pre-mine. It was just, here's some codes. It's the ninth anniversary of Bitcoin. This is a child of Bitcoin. Um, released, and it's tweeted by a, a, a 
I forget the particular title he had, but one of the executive um, board members of the Bitcoin Foundation as it was then. And, and there it is. You can all use it if you want it. No, absolutely not. But can you build a security on Ravencoin? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, and so I think I think that one some people I've been reading uh, Safety in the Moose's sequel, The Fiat Standard. I actually got it a, a while ago. I got a, a pre a pre published draft, and what he made a point was when he was writing the Bitcoin Standard, he had an approach that the move off the gold standard in during the World War One uh, ended up as if it was being coordinated by some Mr. Burns-like characters trying to, you know, <laughs> to trap us into debt slavery. And really what he realized after doing a bit more research is that there was no intention for that to happen at all. It's that, that once off that gold standard, especially in the United Kingdom when the unions were very strong and they didn't want their wages to fall, whereas uh, the United States had a brief recession and then you saw how, mu- how well they recovered by 1939, that they basically sleepwalked into it and so they had to keep kicking the can down the alley because their monetary inflation was necessary in order to fund the debt, the tokens of which are called the US dollar. So they, have to, they can't not inflate the currency to keep up. They're in this vicious cycle. And the same, I think, applies with the SEC. I don't think it's set up to hound people out of innovation. I don't think it's set up to, to destroy the Bitcoin. I mean, I'm sure there would be some people who benefit from the Cantillon effect of, of fiat inflation, who want to to benefit from who want to destroy it. And there are some people who are just otherwise sound, but somewhat crazy, like Peter Schiff, who you just don't believe. <laughs> but but he's generally sound. Uh, but I'm sure that they exist. But in general, I think it's a bit unfair on the, the ASIC in Australia and you know, FinCEN in the UK and, and, and SEC and the FIC in, in the UK, US to imply that, that they have some reason to, to set things down. They have concerns about any project with previous like BitConnect and other criminal enterprises. And so I think that what was remarkable about Ravencoin and and when it was set up by the, the originator of the idea and Medici Ventures under um, Overstock, who, who, who funded the first round of development, is that it enables the creation of legitimate securities that will fit into the regulations of the SEC and the FIC. And what that means is essentially you can get shareholders who can have an asset sent to them indicating their ownership with an IPFS link, which will contain a document of all of their um, KYC, AML and other compliance data and all of the full disclosure documents of a prospectus, etc., etc., to that token. And it can be in pers- a unique token and it can be encrypted and there can be messaging channels built into that token. There can be payment channels built into that token. There can be voting channels built the other direction, built into that token. And what people sometimes don't realize is that Ravencoin is more than um, pixelated people with smoking cigarettes. That, that, that it's, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's really, I think the, the amount of, I've heard recently, the amount of paper that's in capital markets at the moment is something like $81 trillion worth if you add up all the bonds and treasuries and that sort of stuff. So a small fraction of that denoted in in Ravencoin the, the currency, but also using the asset feature is in a huge total addressable market. And people aren't going to go around talking about it. It's just like there's a whole lot of people who are buying. It's not just, it's not just Michael Saylor and, and Elon Musk are buying big on Bitcoin. 
there's a lot of people who just don't go on the news. And frankly, why should they? And I think this is this right. is going to be the gradually then suddenly phenomenon of Ravencoin initiate in token issue securities token uh, issuances. That's my take on it. No, yeah, dude, you and uh, Jesus, you and I definitely see eye to eye in so many different ways. I, I almost find it unfortunate that we didn't get a whole lot of time uh, beforehand to really talk about what the passions are, why, you know, what makes me feel so strongly. I'm, I'm largely against inequality. Um, I've, I've grown up and seen the, uh, the repercussions of, of when there's such deep inequality. And that includes, you know, voting. I mean, God, what, how, how many problems in the world are a result of governments and the infighting of, of, well, this vote counted, this vote didn't, or this way. None of that will matter with Ravencoin. If there can be a proper implementation for that, there it is for anybody and everybody to see. Don't argue about none of it because there it is. Well, yeah, and that's the, the key of an uncorruptible decentralized database. Because if you've got a centralized database, it's for voting. I mean, we just had our local council uh, elections in my state of New South Wales uh, yesterday. Well, mine didn't because my council had been sacked uh, to have our elections next year, but the rest of the state did. And there's a new online voting system that's been introduced. And you probably don't realize that voting, or at least showing up and signing off your name, is compulsory in Australia. The the founding founders of the of the federation view that you know mandating some level of participation was a good thing and there are arguments for and against that but essentially you could with a paper ballot show up have your name signed off and to be honest the popular way of voting informally is to draw a dick on your ballot slip and fold it up and put it in, <laughs> put it in the box it's a very aussie th aussie way to show your discontent with the system uh and so i wondered you know on a discussion group can you draw a dick on a on a virtual ballot slip on the internet can you vote informal in any way you know, can you register to vote or, and then not vote? Because you can do that. You can sign your name and then just turn around and walk away and you won't cop a fine. And so people can, can if they wish to, not vote. They just still have to go out there and, and sign the name off. Um, but um, I, don't, I don't trust the, any, any centralised database um, making assertions of um, assurances of an anonymity. I just, I just can't see why I should, to be honest. Right. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I mean, I know that in the United States, you've got these machines where you can sign off and then you go, you press it and they, they don't record your, there's no information recording that, but you're still there in person pressing a button. But if you're logging in with an IP address and all sorts of things, um, a, a decentralized system, um, there'd, be, there'd be different things you'd have to work through as to whether uh, hostile parties are able to access that. But even still, they could only read it. They wouldn't be able to alter it. No. And there's even a deeper level that that can go when it when you're talking about governance, right? Um, when it comes to passing bills, presenting bills, when it comes to any of that, governance can be then held, upheld purely through code. There's no politicians that are that are pumping up their uh, their narrative. And that, granted, sure, oh, come on, that's that's never going to end as far as like them going up on TV and and screaming their position. But at the end of the day, that, that narrative only goes as far as that when it comes down to the actual vote, to people showing up to vote and actually giving a damn. Well, even, even just in the implementation of policy, if you lock in a debt ceiling, for example, for a certain day, 
then they can't change their mind if it's if it's something yeah. like a smart contract you know so that's absolutely true and, and be, being involved in a political level locally uh, where i live i've met some good people in politics but i've met some total dicks and and it's like issues of people talking about mandatory sentencing for various functions and said so, well you know as problematic as it can be with activist judges legislating from the bench with their judgments that's an issue i would sooner have that than some of these uh populist publicans sentencing people from the house from the floor of the house when you know that they have no that they haven't got 30 years experience as a judge they've just been working in a pub and then they got elected and then they're in parliament and that's a that sounds like some sort of argument for technocracy but in terms of you know things like sentencing i, I really wanted to take it out of the hands some of the political decisions out of the hands of people who uh are so fickle or so uneducated that they can't be trusted they're incapable to change their yeah and, and you end up you can't not be involved in politics as plato said if you refuse to be involved in politics you end up being ruled by your inferiors and, and I think that, but it becomes so swampy now with so many people who, you know, a certain important woman in the Capitol building in, in Washington who is on a reasonably modest salary as a congresswoman, mm. she and her husband are worth hundreds of millions of dollars from very, very uh, well-timed investments. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, um, people see that. And, and so I think if certain aspects of legislation could be locked in to... to uh, uh, they can be smart contracts or they can be other ways of doing that, but in a decentralized and auditable way. I mean, I heard recently on um, Joe Rogan had the Tristan Harris and another man who's got a long German surname, I'm sorry, I can't remember it, um, who made the social dilemma. And he had them on there. said, what about if, if there was an auditable record of government spending? And Joe said, well, <laughs> people would revolt if they saw what they spent the money on. But but there are ways where that, yeah, certainly you could quarantine certain aspects of spending for you know, certain national security interests. So there are ways to do that. But certainly the, the lion's share of it could easily be uh, thought of as in a, a publicly auditable chain of, of signatures and chains of transactions, or at least the records of those. But yeah, those, and Ravencoin is a way to do that without even need, and the important thing is you don't need to write fancy code to make it happen so um yeah absolutely the, the securities aspect i think is very very powerful and isn't just about art the art is incredible but i think that's going to be the the dark horse of this market well this sector i love that you talk about that kind of kind of seeping in through other countries and and taking hold i don't know if you know but recently ravencoin won a won a competition via twitter and uh their, through their website but was with panthera in india Oh yeah, they've just recently listed them. They listed literally Ravencoin. just did yesterday. Yeah, and that's it's awesome. fantastic. You want to talk about people who are entrepreneurial, people who really want to see change in their government, the way that governance is done as a whole. It's in India. These people are fantastic. I mean, we got a couple in the community that come into our Twitter spaces. These people are so passionate, and they see the vision of that, and it's well beyond everything else. Like that to them. It means the world to have some level of political freedom. Oh, yeah. And India it, and, and Indians ha have a special place in my heart because when I studied economics, I, I did that in my spare time. I did a graduate diploma. I did a unit on India. And what people don't realize is that in the first five years after, after independence, the public service in India was known from its near absence of corruption. And... 
thereafter, you know, we know that Pakistan sided with the Chicago boys of economics and they had some financial success. And then the Indians sided with the Soviet Union and started adopting five-year plans and so trying to centralise and command their economy. And when they did all that, they introduced a whole raft of licences and permits to, to which, uh, which would impede all sorts of innovation and progress. And the only way to get around those was to pay someone a bribe. And that system under Indira Gandhi became known as the License and Permit Raj. And now that, nowadays, if you travel through India, uh, I mean, it only rolled back a bit after um, the success in Gujarat of Narendra Modi and his market reforms. And even then, there's some challenges with his government. But uh, how they work, chalk and cheese compared to how they were. And they're now having to teach younger people about the, the License and Permit Raj because socialism seems so attractive to them, the same way they're having to re-educate Polish youth about the same phenomenon. But what, what was interesting to note that when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, you would, if you were travelling out of India and you wanted to buy a bottle of duty-free scotch, you had to buy two, one for customs, one for you. And there seemed to be a, a certain mindset that there was something inherently corrupt about the Indian nation, about the Indian people. And there, I think there was a certain a slightly prejudiced undercurrent to that. What we really don't seem to realise, though, is that Britain before the repeal of the Corn Laws by Sir Edward Peel, was a nation of smugglers. That we are only as corrupt as our incentives. And, and our incentive, if our incentive to, to progress, to innovation, to entrepreneurship is being impeded, well, then that creates an incentive or, to find a way around it. And so 100%. it's because of these centralised governments, these important swamp rats who want to, who want to extract from workers money to spend on themselves and their own projects. It's because of them that people find ways around that. And of course, they declare that corruption because the state sanctifies itself and it paternalizes its leaders and implies you'll burn in hell if you don't, if you don't willingly give up the money that they take from you at gunpoint. But it, it isn't corruption, it's innovation. And certainly different people will, will, will move around things for different reasons. And that's the, the Indian government has given up on trying to ban Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies because they, they've realised that they can't. And they uh, cede economic activity to other markets, places who won't ban themselves from it. And, and so I think this is a way that eventually governments are going to have to make their peace with in the, on the financial side of things for big transactions for Bitcoin and for the assets and uh, side of things for Ravencoin and, and a very small number of others. Um, and, and, I love that your vision. Yeah. You get it. And so <laughs> I, I... And after Edward Peel repealed that, you know, he was challenged by the, all the Tories because they had all their big farms. They wanted their grain prices to be high, which, which affected... Which is, you know, these high prices governed centrally affected all the people who wanted cheaper bread you know, cheaper vegetables. And so allowing, you know, grain to be brought in from other markets outside the UK benefited more people and deregulating it more people. So now this is a way for political deregulation as well as financial deregulation. And it, it really it really sort of accelerates the process that uh, Lord Rees-Mogg's wrote about in The Sovereign Individual in the early 90s that it's not so much a, it's a negative thing, it's just destiny, a splintering of people forming more sovereign entities and the uh, incorruptible decentralised databases for assets such as Ravencoin provide the mechanism of, of regulating that. 
That's exactly it. And you know, do you want to know my, my God's honest opinion of what I think that will really drive that? Like what will be the biggest driving factor? And I've seen it through throughout American history. It's women, right? There's been this barrier to entry and almost like gatekeeping done by men uh, overall in the cryptocurrency space as a whole. But if you really look deep at the deep at the heart of history, what really brought serious change, it was women. And they make the majority we, of financial decisions in homes. In the first place, exactly. So that's a big point that I really wanted to hit on too is, is you know, what's, what is going to, what is going to drive this? What is really going to be the factor that pushes this whole movement to the next level? It's going to be getting women involved. Absolutely. Welcoming them and kind of pushing that. And I tell you right now, you want to know who brought that up to me was a woman on woman on Twitter, because I reached out um, in one of our group chats that we have, we have a separate one that we do that is purely just, just for the marketing of Ravencoin and then ones that's for the marketing of NFTs. Um, and we've got some very passionate people in that one that's, that's purely for the pushing of Ravencoin overall and understanding of it. And one of them is a woman who's a very strong one. Um, I'd like to shout her out. Her name's Crypto Lissa. Um, and I thought about when she said that, and it seems so simplistic when she just said getting more women involved. But I really thought deeper on that. And th it's not just because of an inclusiveness, although that is, that's extremely important. But that's the driving factor. That's what makes the difference, right? That's what brings up the shore of the vote to 50% is going to be women. Yeah. Yeah. My, th my three daughters are really grateful for that. I mean, we've also seen some really good activity from blockchain realtor, um, Sarah Jenkins. Uh, she, she's she and her husband, she's amazingly innovative and they're, they're, I would say they're on fire, but I have to be careful because they're running so many GPUs. It could be the case if they're not careful, <laughs> but they're, they're meta metaphorically on fire with, with Ravencoin are really leading this, uh, uh a securitization with Ravencoin space with, in this case, with uh, real estate um, residential projects. Um, yeah, so I had them on uh, well, two, a couple of episodes ago, and that's been really exciting too. You're absolutely right. It, it increases participation. I mean, what, what it really does, I hear a lot of talk about the Cantillon effect on uh, Orange Pill podcast. And what, what they talk about there is, it was an, it was an Irish economist i'm not i think it was around the time of the french revolution essentially what he's saying is that when new money is created or the first people to benefit from that are those in these capital markets bond markets people with securities who obviously there's an, an inflation of the money supply which is what inflation is and only changed its definition after 1971 to denote the price increase it causes so the money supply is inflated all of a sudden all these people um i call them the pinstripes the people in these suits, they benefit because the prices of their assets increase. Great for them. You know, so this quantitative easing benefits them. Eventually that filters out to the people who have to fill up their, uh, you know, their cars, they have to buy food, have to buy houses. And then people using these basket of goods to represent the general price level, excise food and energy and housing from that basket to hide those price increases so that expectations don't make it worse. But bottom line, the Cantillon effect is that they create new money. Uh, it's basically seigneurage for extra statutory entities to share in the seigneurage. So the government gets seigneurage from paying for these bonds that they purchase, but everyone else's prices go up. They get a, a de facto seigneurage from that 
benefiting from this new money and then everyone else has to pay the price for that. Well, if you cannot inflate, if you cannot inflate the supply of, of money, uh, and I think that in the case of Bitcoin, it'll be really to replace the IBS for, for large settlements because on-chain on chain is for, for uh, small payments is inefficient. That's why they've got layer two solutions to that. But Ravencoin applies the same way. If you cannot inflate these, then you can't uh, you know, devalue them. You can't cheat people out on the peripheries who, have, who are on fixed wages who have no other way of coping with that. And so this, this is utterly revolutionary. And Ravencoin, in the way that it's structured and launched, is, uh, is really, I think, what the revolution in finance is about. It's the biggest revolution in finance in the last 10,000 years. And I, and I wholeheartedly I'm agree. Really, really excited to be a part of that. We are down to 50 minutes. We're going to reach towards the limits of motorists' tolerance. Any final <laughs> thoughts? You know, um, something that, that I guess we should really kind of push on is the P2SH. Oh, yeah. Um, that is Pay Descript Hash. It. Yeah, tell me about that. So, uh, Pay Descript Hash is is the ability to allow like multi-signature wallets. And that, that can mean a a various amount of things from building DEXs to uh, that is decentralized exchanges. Um, but that also can tie into when it comes to tokenizing uh, a large portion of stocks um, and the ability to trade those, right? The brokerage will then be able to send out of multiple, multiple uh, transmissions out and through multiple different wallets that you'll be able to actually do that. So in other words, like simultaneously being able to submit something on chain rather than having to layer those transactions up one after one after one after one, they're simultaneously being able to be uh, submitted out. Yeah. Um, and that ties into multiple different, multiple different means. I think it's, it's important too that with these UTXO sets that we've got for these uh, for assets and, and with PTSH, P2SH coming is that we don't require many extra tools. I, I've, for example, I've had a... Uh, a lightning wallet on my on my phone and I've trained I've gone back to iPhone from Android for because reasons and <laughs> to try to get the funds from the lightning wallet back to something else and then I've had it linked to my umbral node uh, it's painful it, it's such a such a new they've really got a lot more development to try to get lightning to work I'm sure that it's the answer I'm sure that they will but it's so it's so you know, I think there's only about $200 million on the Lightning Network at the moment. But not to have to do that in the first place is really important because with this uh, P2SH, we won't necessarily have to. I mean, you can build second-layer solutions on top of Ravencoin, but to not to have to do that makes development a lot smoder in this non- right. non-coder's opinion. No, you're absolutely correct, though. And it really also kind of ties into we won't need a layer two. It'll be seemed, it'll be deemed useless until our blocks start filling, which approximately is like 4,500 per block. And that's, you know, that's, that's not the 10 minute blocks of, of Bitcoin. That's one minute blocks of Ravencoin. So we really have a lot of, I mean, a lot of room to grow. Um, so yes, P2SH is going to enable all of that. That'll enable marketplaces, which by the way, there are seven, NFT marketplaces right now on Ravencoin seven. Yeah. Um, that'll enable a lot of different use cases for them and their ability to be able to, uh, 
to transmit out those because that's been, you know, of course, that's one of the problems is that when a marketplace is, is having to help mediate all of these different things that happen, it's, it's able to really power that. Um, so it's going to reach every single end of Ravencoin um, and its ability of what it, what it can do. Um, something that's, you know, I don't want to meander too much and push too hard um, into other subjects, but we are, we are coming close on time. Um, there's a Braveland event coming up on January 8th. There's yeah. going to be plenty of talk on that. Um, so anybody who's interested, you know, Braveland, it's, you can find us. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'll be happy to submit a link, show you kind of where to, where to find these things. Yeah, so these every, meetups are fantastic. So everyone should get on their computers and go to braveland.io and download the client. And it's a virtual world. It's run by a company on top of a company called Verbella. And you can hold, there's like six buildings in the in the whole virtual campus. And you can hold simultaneous meetings. I even went into a meeting room where one group, one NFT auction house a long time ago was having a meeting for their insiders. And they left their, it's like going into a university campus and someone left their um, transparencies on the wall. So I saw all the notes. They're still on there. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's great. It, it's amazing. And, and there's even outdoor areas and they've got simulated fireworks. It's quite quite nerdy fun, to be honest. And it, <laughs> it, but it's, it's very, yeah. So, right, so that's January 9th on Braveland. Okay. 8th. 8th. January 8th. 8th. January 8th. And it's a 24-hour long event oh, to awesome. kind of cater to everybody. And it's going to be more skewed towards like NFTs of like the artwork side. Yeah. Um, there's going to be artists that are present. They're going to be doing auctions and there'll be like the little frames in their booth, right? You click on that, on that one that you want to buy and boom, it takes you right to the marketplace right there. It's a new, it's a new thing they're doing with Braveland. So it's a very, it's a very awesome event. And I'm trying to really involve, uh, as many people as possible. Oh, there is a great expo hall there too, for those who haven't been there and you can go around. It's just like you're at another conference and you can go around all the different booths and see all different projects who set themselves up there. I've been hoping to get, when I get a chance, to get Joshua Blockchain Tiger on, who's been one of the astoundingly innovative and generous people in the Ravencoin space out in, in South Korea. And he's spent a lot of his own money setting these things up. So we really should back the, the best. Yeah, I don't want to say money. the figure, but it's a, but it's, it's a good figure. <laughs> oh, I, I know the, the initial donation was $100,000 worth of Ravencoin to the foundation, but it's, it's, there's a lot more besides that. He sent over 200 mini PCs out to people to run nodes. I mean, he's, he's an amazing guy. And if I can get him on the show, I'll be very, very grateful. Wow. So yeah, we might just wrap, start to wrap it up. Thanks again for coming yeah. on. Uh, this went places I didn't expect it to. I thought we we're just going to be talking about some art and some, and, and you know, uh, securities, and then we're talking about political liberation and freedom. and And I'll be <laughs> grateful that you've been on that page also. It's where my heart lies, my man. Okay, well, all the best yeah. then. We'll see you on Braveland on January eighth, and Twitter in before before that. T thirty, baby, T. 30 days till countdown of having you will see me out there every day doing spaces. So, all right. Absolutely. We'll catch you on Twitter. That's Quoting Raven. Quoting Raven from Twitter. Okay. See you later. Thank you again so much for having me, brother. Have a great night or a great day. <laughs>